Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem, Eric Scopel with me as, on the show as always. And it's the day before the day, game day for the Oregon football program. The Ducks head south, potentially, to Berkeley. And Eric and I are going to preview this game with our score predictions, some keys to the game, injury report, get you all up to speed. Oregon Cal coming up here on the podcast. But first, I want to remind Duck fans, if you are not a subscriber to DuckTerritory.com, one, why not? Two, let's solve that, and I can save you a bunch of money by doing that. Uh, sign up for your first month for $1, $9.95 there after that. Inside scoop on the Oregon Ducks, expert analysis and opinion. You also read all the content across the 24-7 Sports Network with our membership. And if you want to go annual, you can save over $36 over the course of a year by paying $75.18 up front for one year's membership. Uh, that's the most impactful way to support the show. Uh, and other ways you can support the show include going out and giving us a review on the podcast platform that you listen to us through, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, what have you. Uh, give us a review that helps us tremendously and much appreciated. Okay, Eric, uh, the Ducks are going down to Berkeley, Oregon 3-1. and one. They are 20th – excuse me, they are – yeah, they're, they're 20th in the uh, coaches poll, 21st in the AP poll. Um, they're significantly further down in the college football playoff poll than they were the week before. 23rd. Uh, they're at yeah, 23rd. They're out of the playoff picture, essentially. And they're playing an 0-3 Cal team. That I don't necessarily think their record indicates the talent that they have. This is just a weird week. for, for And I think it's a crossroads type of week for this Oregon football program. No doubt about it. And like, let's be real here, Matt, when this schedule came out and obviously there are like three iterations of it, like this was one of the ones we marked as like, this could be game the of the year. Yeah. Could be the marquee game of the entire season. I know uh, this was the one or I had Oregon five and one when the schedule was condensed to six games and the game I had them losing was this week's game. And this game has lost, has like absolutely no momentum. Right. I mean, like Cal's gone out and lost every week. Oregon is coming off a really disappointing embarrassing loss disheartening yeah whatever yeah however you want to describe it that's how you know that's what the kind of loss this was and it's like there's really no momentum i think we see it on this on the site this seems like interest is and again again it makes sense to it coming off a loss but interest seems to be dipping and i'm i'm expecting it to pick back up here over the next couple of days and obviously by the time the ball kicks off in Berkeley or Eugene at 4 p.m. And we'll talk about that in a second, where, where this game might be played. <laughs> Matt and I might be at Austin Stadium covering a football game we weren't expected to cover um, in a couple of days here or in a, day, a little bit over a day. So, But, I mean, the, the reality is, that, like, I think this is like a, a really, like Matt said it best, it's a crossroads game. Like, if Oregon loses here, the season is going to be a disappointment point blank. If Oregon wins here, they still have a chance to at least make it a season where you basically lived up to expectations losing to Oregon state's never acceptable. That's that's, you're ever going to overlook that part of the season. That's always going to kind of be one of the storylines when you talk about the 2020 football season. Well, that was the year they lost to Oregon state, but at the same time, if they beat Cal, they beat Washington, they win the conference championship game looks like probably against USC, maybe Colorado. If things get really wonky, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. If Colorado's even going to have enough games played in Pac-12 play for that, but that's for a different podcast. But and they win that game and then they go win a festival. Suddenly it's like, hey, they went seven and one, but it was a pretty impressive way they responded. So this week is huge. I know for me, I, I think I think Oregon is the better football team. The um, Vegas agrees in terms of where the line is set, regardless of location. But it really is going to come down to I, I think 
is Oregon able to put together four full quarters? We haven't seen that even close so far. It's been a quarter here, quarter there. It's been one half here, one half there. They haven't been able to do it yet. If they can do it this week, there's no doubt in my mind they can beat Cal and probably beat Cal pretty handily. But if it's same old, same old, and what we've seen through um, now a month of the season, this game could go the other way and they might lose a second straight game to Cal. I mean, it, it kind of feels like that's the sort of week, right? Yeah, this is a one, and I'm with you. Um, And I said this after the game on DuckTerritory.com. I wrote a story about it, that this week is ultimately going to decide what type of lens we view this team through uh, going into the Cal game. You know, like, there's a lot of – there's some experienced guys on this team that have gone through the wars of college football and have gone through the rigors, and they understand what's at stake and they know what needs to happen – um, but there are so are a lot of guys on this team that this is their first moment where there's true adversity when they are kind of key pieces to the to this to this team. Like, yes, uh, overwhelmingly large majority of this team was on last year's Rose Bowl team, and they saw Auburn and the way that that game ended, and they saw Arizona State and the way that game played out. A lot of these guys were even on the team in. Uh, 2018 when they beat Washington. And then the following week, they went to Washington State and laid a dud uh, on the, on game day and got blown out by the Cougars. And then the, let that happen again the very following week against Arizona to just a god-awful putrid Wildcat team that destroyed them. And so, but none of those, none of the, none of the returners for the most part on this year's team played key roles in those two seasons. You know, it, there's a handful of guys, Diomede Lenore, Jordan Scott, Nick Pickett. Uh, you Offensively, you look at uh, C.J. Verdell or Travis Dye, Jalen Red, um, uh, Johnny Johnson. But right. it, it, it's, a, it's a handful of guys. And so I look at this game as how are these young guys, how are these inexperienced guys who are used to basically the last year and a half hey, you're the top team in the Pac-12, you're in the college football playoff hunt, you're a top 10 team, you're the Pac-12 favorites, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, and then all of a sudden you lay a dud and you have an embarrassing loss. How do they respond? I mean, I, personally, I got seeing Crystal Ball, the way he responded immediately after the Civil War game Friday night in that press conference, you could tell he was pissed. Uh, you could tell he was very disappointed in the outcome, probably super disappointed in himself. Um, and then throughout this entire week, we've, we've seen a similar nature vibe about him. Like he's not the same gung ho, you know, ultra, you know, not ultra positive isn't maybe the best word to use, but like, he's not out there really hammering home and promoting and Hey, you know, we've got the juice. We're here to go. We're, we're ready to go. These guys are chomping at the bit, yada, yada, yada. Like you, you feel the tension, you feel the, the pissed off aspect in him of how this team has played and i wonder is there going to be a trickle down effect does that carry its way over to the players and do they come out saturday night at four o'clock in berkeley and do they straight honestly kick the ass out of california or is this a team that's going to maybe see guys try and do more than their responsibility which then creates mistakes which leads to Cal being in this game I I think that's the direction this game goes one or the other Oregon comes out and plays red hot pissed off football and they just straight up dominate Cal and we walk out of the uh that game thinking 
whoa, this was a team that we've been waiting to see. Where has this team been? Or they're going to be in a dogfight that they shouldn't be in, and it, it's only going to hammer and confirm that this isn't a playoff team. I want to read two quotes really quick before I jump in here that kind of, I think, encapsulate the demeanor and kind of what we've heard this week from players and, and, and coaches from Jalen Red, and I thought this was probably the most telling quote in a while. Um, and, and by the way, I think we mentioned this on Wednesday's podcast. We kind of talked about what it was, but I'll read it all the way. Uh, the gap is not talent. The difference from last year is a mindset thing. It's just a demeanor thing. Everyone has got to come out and want to dominate the opponent every day. We work hard. We practice hard. The game plan is perfect. We just got to execute it all and believe that we're better than the man in front of us. You've got to win th that battle first. It's about emphasizing the demeanor part of it every day. The same way we emphasize fundamentals and the game plan that much. The way we look at our opponent has to be emphasized. I thought that was really telling. Um, you know, this is, a, and, and Matt noted it and we've talked about the youth. I know specifically on the, on the, um, podcast, uh, the mailbag podcast to open that just about, this is a young team. This is a team that a lot of these players that are starters haven't been in these positions. They haven't been in a position where they've lost games and had to respond. And I thought it was really interesting to hear from one of the senior leaders. One of the guys Matt mentioned a second ago, that is experienced that that's kind of a concern that that's something he's noticed. I mean, Jalen red's been around this program for a minute now. He was on this team in 2017 when Willie Taggart was the head coach. He was here in 2018 during Mario Cristobal's first year. We, we, both those years, ups and downs, quite a few losses both those seasons, yeah. some, some highs, but also an awful lot of lows. He's seen those. He saw last year a season that was largely, you know, the highs. They reached some, the pinnacle. I mean, they won the conference. They won the Rose Bowl. Those are awesome things. Those are things when you look back and you say that you're 2019 for Oregon football, those are the things you think of first. And he understands what it takes to get there. And then here's a quote from Mario Cristobal that I think is kind of similar um, from Wednesday. Uh, he said, we don't lose very much around here. That's something that needs to be traditional. So when it does happen, and it did happen, it's obvious on my face that I'm upset. That needs to be always be the way. If I don't feel that way, I need to step aside. It needs to burn in your gut, and it always has to provide the right kind of fuel. There's two ways to handle a loss. Either you wallow in your feeling, you wallow in your feeling of sorry, or you realize that I can control what happens going forward. So both of those to me say that this, this week to me, I know it is about fundamentals and there's all, I mean, the tackling is fundamental. What they do at the, off, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the full is fundamental. But I think this is really a mindset thing with this team right now. And I think this is going to be a very telling week of how do they come out against Cal? Do they go, Hey, we're the team who in 2019, dominated everyone in the conference. I know they lost to Arizona State, but you know, really put it to a lot of these teams. Kyle was one of the teams, you should note, that really challenged Oregon last year in the first half of that game. Oregon actually trailed um, at home against Cal and then came back in the second half and won by two scores. But is, this, is it going to be that team? Or is it the team we saw in Corvallis who, when the going got tough, kind of, I don't want to say they rolled over because that's not fair, and that, that detracts from what Oregon State did, but the team that just didn't have that that extra oomph at the end of the game yep. and, and couldn't finish it. I mean, I think this is very telling for that. And from my perspective, somebody who follows this team really closely, you know, Matt's the same way those listening follow this program very closely. It's going to be very telling the culture that Mario Cristobal has been putting together for the last couple of years. We heard so much about it last year, how imperative it was towards success. If they come out in Berkeley or Eugene, we keep saying that, but that's because there's legitimate <laughs> reasons for that. Uh, and, and they don't show it, and you're just it's going to be very disappointing. And I think that's going to make me legitimately go and take a step back and go, I know it's 2020, it's a really weird year, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I'm actually now like a little concerned about where this ship is being steered. 
Not that I don't think 2021 can, they can kind of resettle themselves. They got almost all the guys coming back. Everyone can come back in theory. I think they continue to be good, but like if they have a misstep here against Berkeley in Berkeley or against Cal this upcoming weekend, I'm going to be, that's going to like, not just be like, wow, what a disappointing 2020 season. That's going to make me legitimately kind of question what's going on, you know, within this program and kind of what the future will hold. Yeah, it would. A two loss season in the manner that the losses have come and in the opponents that they would play, if they were to lose this game, it would certainly kind of burn through all the cachet, all the credit that you developed and created and found and stored after 2019 and winning the Rose Bowl. Like it would open up and I don't necessarily, I'm not, and I don't think you would side with this either, but I'm not saying that I don't have confidence in Cristobal as head coach and that they need to do a head coaching change and, and whatnot, but that I'm not, I'm not even close to that, but it would open the door for the conversation to be had where it becomes, did 2019 happen in part because so many guys that the staff inherited were really good players. And now that they were off the team and gone and into the NFL, that Oregon is maybe a little bit further behind in terms of player development than expected. Uh, I don't know. That opens that door though for rival schools to say that, Hey, look, look what happened. Oregon just lost a bunch of good, good dudes. And they said that they had the guys in, in, in the wings waiting uh, to, to be those you know replacements in, in 2020, it just didn't happen. And then in, in 2021, you're, you face a, a, a situation in which there's going to be some doubt about your program and that can be prevented uh, and it can be created by how Oregon responds these next two weeks. And look, it's completely unfair to, to be throwing these types of comments at Oregon knowing the offseason that they had, knowing the offseason that everybody had. It's 2020. It's a hell of a year, but that's the reality. It's going to happen, whether it's fair or not. Uh, That's going to happen if you lose this game on Saturday. Uh, If you close out the season in which uh, they played against Oregon State the last two games of the year, because if they do that, they'll lose both. Um, They have to play better. They need to play better. And there's going to be a lot on the line in this game. Uh, Games on ESPN, 4 o'clock kick. Uh, Dave Fleming on the call, and if you were pissed off the last two weeks of play calling, Rod Gilmore is on the call again. Uh, so we'll, I'm sure it sounds like we'll be getting some <laughs> expert analysis. Uh, that'll Rod be fun. Gilmore, um, really disappointed. I can't wait. <laughs> really disappointed. Just you know, the, the last couple weeks of you know preparation and 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 I guess the presenting product that ESPN has has had uh, for Oregon against UCLA and also. Um, against the the Oregon State Beavers with their crews. But nonetheless, Eric and I, uh, we will be covering this game. We won't be there in person, travel restrictions, because of COVID uh, are currently preventing that. But nonetheless, we will have interviews. We will still be able to talk with Cristobal, still be able to talk with a lot of players after that game. So make sure you stay on on the site for that. Um, Injuries going into this week, Eric. some clarity and also some uncertainty with multiple guys. Yeah, certainly the uncertainty remains a hot topic, hot, big trend with Mario Cristobal when we talk about this stuff. Um, he did say he'll get us an injury report before the you know when we when he has it because <laughs> we need it, and I'm hundred percent expecting that to happen. 
I, it's, it was kind of comical and I, I'll open myself up. I asked the injury report question and I did not ask specifically name by name by name, which is clearly the way you have to go about doing this on Wednesday. And uh, I just basically got like, it's the same as it was before. Um, nothing's changed. We'll get that to you. And when he says he's going to get that to us and we know he, he acknowledges it's important information and that we need it and that he'll get it to us, but the we'll, thing get is, him, we'll, we'll get it after the game is over. And, and I love Mario. Cause I think he does a great job. And I think his, I think with the press, he handles himself really well, but like, this is one of those things where it's like everybody involved knows that's not true. Like he never, <laughs> he never gets us the injury report after if, if Wednesday is our last time to find anything out about the team. We're not going to ever, we never speak with him before the game we never speak to him thursday friday we don't speak to him certainly before saturday we're, the, the next time we're gonna have any idea of who's playing and not playing is on saturday and because we're not there we're just going to be basically relying upon um people in person there and and the reality is i actually don't know if like anybody is there from oregon's perspective is going to be there so we might not like know who who's even playing or not until like the game starts and we're watching on the broadcast and now we're relying on on rod gilmore that's part of the reason i was frustrated it's like Great, and the color guy is a guy who who doesn't know anything about the team. Doesn't make any effort. I know I don't want to go into too much of a rant, but his his I've watched the games he's called afterwards, and it's been embarrassing. He doesn't know any of the players. He doesn't know any of the storylines. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down that, but but the coverage has been awful from a television perspective, and I feel for those watching at home, which is the entire fan base right now. You'd think if there's ever a time to really do your homework and, and try to bend over backwards to do a good job, it would be right now because. None of the 60,000 season, you know, the 6,000 people go to the games, the season ticket holders, they're all depending upon the television broadcast or Jerry Allen on the radio. And he, of course, does a better job, but for the information and you're not getting it. So there's a mini rant there for me just being frustrated that I'm going to like you and those listening, we're going to be subjected to just probably really subpar to below average. It just tells you how bad it's been the last two weeks when you go and I've done the same thing and we're there. We're, we are physically there to watch this game. And then we go back to watch the review for review purposes. And we're listening yeah. to the telecast. And we get upset at, at watching a replay of the game of just how bad the commenting was. And, and yeah, so not to go down too far the rabbit hole, but yeah, injuries. Um, we know <laughs> Justin Flo is not playing. Um, yes. We we probably expect Spencer Webb and Patrick Herbert not to play in this football game. Um CJ Verdell is probably the one that's notable because he did say we think he'll be okay on Monday. That was something Mario did say. So I think you can sort of expect him to play. But at this point, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> uh, and then Drew Mathis. And this is one I, I, I missed this during the, during the game at, at Oregon State. I can't really even recall when he got hurt. But but he's also a, a potential up-in-the-air situation. And um, um, Adrian, Adrian Jackson's not playing. I think that's yep. pretty clear. Um, and, and here's one that also is significant. Jamal Hill, who missed the, the uh, in-state rivalry game, quote-unquote, the Civil War, whatever you want to call it. Um, Don't say that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and, and again, I respect them for making the decision. It's just hard to break that habit. Um, Jamal Hill is practicing, is what Mark Cristobal said. He suffered a minor injury, and that's why he was unavailable for that game. Uh, Micah Pittman, we can, we can definitively say – he is playing, which is big. Uh, Nick Pickett. Does he start, you think? Th- that's a good question. That's a really good discussion. Um, really quickly, just Nick Pickett got dinged up with the expect him back as well. That's one of the Oregon starters in the secondary. Um, I don't think he does. I don't think Micah Pittman does start. I think you've got Dev- – who are you taking out of the starting lineup? It's not going to be one of the seniors. And to, no. take, to take Devin Williams out after he's gone for 100 yards the last two weeks, and this is no. one of those things where I, I feel for Micah Pittman a little bit here because this is almost one of those kind of Wally Pipp things. Um, where you get somebody who gets hurt 
And in this case, not even hurt. Yeah, he, out of the contact traced. Contact traced. And he's out for two weeks, three weeks, actually, really. And he's going to basically, I mean, I know he'll still play. I bet you he'll still be impactful and make some plays because he's really talented. Yes, yes. But you look at he's just not going to be named a starter. You just look at his career, though. It's been brutal. I yeah. mean, freshman year, suffers an injury, misses the first five games. Then he plays really well for a handful of games, gets hurt again, misses the last two games, a regular season in the conference championship game, comes back, makes some big plays in the Rose Bowl. Everyone's like, sophomore season, here's Micah Pittman's time. Here we go. He makes a great catch in the opener against Stanford. Like, honestly, probably the best catch of the season. So that one-hander from Shuck um, on, the, I think, Oregon's second, maybe the first scoring drive of the season, that, hey, here's Micah Pittman. And he doesn't play against Washington State, doesn't play against UCLA, doesn't play against Oregon State, or I guess he does play one snap at the end against Oregon State. But it's like, boy, he's had awful injury luck. And so I, I expect Micah Pittman not to start. I think it'll be Devin Williams. I do think he'll play. And I, I think from a snap perspective, we're going to see it a little bit more split out. And I probably save it for predictions at the end here, but like, I wouldn't be probably too surprised to see it be pretty even match from a rep perspective at wide receiver. Okay. Um, looking at this, we've got, I think it's safe to say we, we've already kind of set the table here. What's at stake for this game. Oregon loses. They're not going to win the PAC 12 North. Um, they won't play in the college football. Uh, they won't play in the championship game for the PAC 12 and they'll be regulated probably to the third best bowl game if possible for the Pac-12, which right now, uh, I mean, the, the bowl game scenarios are, are, are drastically changing um, for the Pac-12, but it's not going to be a good bowl game if they, if they lose this game. Um, if they win, they still control their own destiny to get to that college, get to the Pac-12 uh, championship game, and that sets up a winner-take-all game against Washington at home the following weekend. So uh, safe to say Oregon is playing with their Pac-12 championship lives at stake against California. Win, you're still alive, lose, you're out of the picture, and the season probably takes a really dark turn from a, from a lens perspective. All right, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to break down the keys to this football game. Eric and I are going to make some predictions of what happens, and then we'll wrap up with who we think wins this game and uh, by how much all coming up next here on the odds and audibles podcast. All right. Welcome back to the odds and audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel with me as always. And Eric, um, I think there are a wide ranging list of keys to the football game. I have one in particular that I wanted to give, and then I, I want to hear one offensive and one defensive key to the game for you. And, and this one for me though, is the importance of starting this game strong on both sides of the football and then carrying that momentum through the entire length of the football game. Oregon has not played a clean, per, you know, they're never going to play a perfect game, but they've never had a game yet this season. Uh, and I say that with four games in, but <laughs> right. they've never had it. They haven't had a game in, in the first, their four games so far where you walk out of Austin Stadium or, or we, 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 we close up shop for the road game and we think, you know what? Yeah, they had a bad drive on the third possession of the second half or that fourth possession in the first half was a bad play, you know, bad series for them. And then they, they followed up defensively with a bad series. But for the most part, they dominated. They played well. We haven't said that yet. Like 
every game, there's been some kind of major issue that you walk out of and say, boy, this is really bad. They got to get this concerned or, you know, cleaned up or it could come back and bite them uh, against Oregon State. It did. And I think that for me is the key. You guys got to, this team has to come out firing on all cylinders, offensively, defensively, and special teams wise from the jump against California. And then they have to be able to sustain that. If they do, like I said at the beginning, I think this game's a blowout. I think Oregon dominates and they win this game maybe by four scores. If they don't and they have that fluctuation, that inconsistency, that up and down, it opens the door for the loss. And that for me is key. Can you consistently play at your highest level for four quarters? Is it just as simple to say play good? Yeah, like I mean, it, it's it's. I mean, so, no, I mean it's it, it like, sounds. <laughs> it, it, it's so cliche and, and boring, but for this no, team, right. kind of where it's at. Yeah, no, it is, and it's just be consistent, and that's like almost like I, I mean, I almost want to like. And that comes with a young team. Totally, it does. But I mean, I kind of want to do my five keys tomorrow and just be like, just be one through five is just play consistent, just play well, every snap, play well every drive, play well every quarter, every half, because. They just don't do it. Um, but I, I mean, I'll, I won't. I'm not going to oversimplify it to that degree because that's just that's not very good podcast, probably. Because just, just, there's probably just needs a little bit more um, uh, thoughtful analysis than that. I mean, I think one here, and it's again, we've been saying this all season, and it's the reality is they haven't accomplished it, with the exception of the UCLA game. And I guess they didn't totally accomplish it there either. But offensively, you can just stop turning the ball over. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Shoot, it's like, what four turnovers, three turnovers a game. It feels like. Uh, I mean, not just that it feels like it's what it's been, right? I mean, I think it was three against Stanford. It was three against UCLA and like almost consecutive – or sorry, Washington State in consecutive drives. Um, UCLA was just one, but that was a scoop and score touchdown. Against Oregon State, it was – it says it's three, but only two were really turnovers. The last one comes in the last play of the game when they're just trying to do anything they can to somehow uh, somehow have some miracle happen. So that one I kind of like put a little asterisk next to it. It doesn't really count, but – like every game, it's been three or four, except for UCLA, and it's just you, you can't do that and expect to win football games. And as good as this offense has been, we talked about this earlier in the week. They have been great, and statistically, they look they're up there with everyone in the conference. You know, they're the most balanced, successful offense. You can say that USC has the best statistics, but USC is extremely reliant on the pass. When Oregon is clicking, and they've basically done this every game except for the UCLA game, where they've been able to run the ball effectively and throw the ball effectively. And here's one little little thing I would say that I, you just kind of think about it. It feels like when Oregon's offense has been at its best, it's also had Tyler Shuck run the ball successfully. Yeah. And the that's, last that's a really two, good point. Last two weeks, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. I know I think he had like 30 yards against UCLA. I don't remember how many he had against Oregon State, but just think about Washington State and Stanford, how that kind of turned the game a couple times where he had those long scrambles or he kept it and scored or, or kept it and had the long runs. I haven't seen a lot of that. And I know that's like an, an additional key there, but – I kind of think that's something that's been missing offensively, but regardless, like this game isn't going to entirely come down to the offense unless they, unless they just turn it over a bunch, which is why one of my keys is don't turn it over. If they can stay on the field and not make those kind of mistakes, there's no doubt in my mind they can score 35, 42, 49 points against California. I know Cal's got a good defense, but that this is the type of offense Oregon has. They have playmakers all over the place. They've got a very innovative system. Um, Tyler Shuck has shown he is a dual threat quarterback much more than I'd expected. And that's part of why I think the running is important here is if you can do that again, that's crucial. And then defensively, 
just get off the field. Win on third down. Give the offense a chance. You know, yeah. the, the thing that I think has killed them a lot has been these bend and then eventually break drives where it's like, okay, they're not great between – in the past, you, you know, you've heard of bend but don't break defenses. You're not great between the 20s. But once you get in the red zone, you stiff, you know, you stiffen up, you force field goals, you force turnovers, you force for, you know, uh, turnover on downs. You don't give up many points. That has not been this defense this year. They've been really bad in the red zone. And they've just given, I mean, how many times have we seen opponents make drives into the red zone? And it's just like in the past, you'd say, okay, well, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. And it's just like, nope, they just run it three straight downs and selling the balls at the one yard line and they punch it home. Um, they need to get better. They need to avoid those situations because clearly they're not very good down there when the pressure kind of builds. So get off the field. Like I said, I think we talked about it on, on Wednesday's podcast. They've had eight three and outs they've forced all season. More of that would help. Get off the field. Force Cal to punt it. Um, don't let Cal have those extended drives. And I think critically, win on third down. Um, they have not been as good on third down defensively as they were in the past. I mean, really, statistically across the board, like, it's pretty astounding. You look and see how bad they are right now. Like, yeah. they're 8th to 10th in every single significant st- uh, statistic in the conference right now. And it's a conference where last year, they were first or second or third in everything. Top three in every statistic. Right now, they're near the bottom of everything. And I know it's an uneven year, and some teams have played – well, shoot, Arizona State's played one game. Some teams have played two. Oregon's played four. And some teams have played – lesser competition but the reality is, is Oregon and this is something just to be aware of for a Cal perspective we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about it but we talked about it with a little bit with Jackson Moore on, a, on our Thursday show um, from, Bear, from Bear, uh, Bear Territory Chase Garbers is by far the most experienced quarterback Oregon has faced I don't think he's the most talented like I'd probably say Jaden Delora is more talented than Chase Garbers even though he's a freshman but like you look at the quarterbacks and I ran through this before, but I'll do it again. Like Stanford and UCLA, those were backup replacement quarterbacks. They faced Jack West and they faced Chase Griffin. Those two guys, those guys aren't even the top quarterbacks in the rosters. And that's who they faced against Washington state. It was a true freshman. And against Oregon state, it was Tristan Jebbia and Jebbia was the most experienced of the guys they faced. He's made like five or six starts, but he's not somebody to write home about. You look at his stats coming into that game. So this is like the best quarterback Oregon has faced in Chase Garbers. This is the most accomplished quarterback they've faced. This is a quarterback who in a regular season where Cal has the, the you know, the, re- the requisite off season where they're able to get everything in and, and that they're kind of humming along the way we thought they would was one of the favorites to baby be PAC 12 first or second team quarterback along with Keaton Slovis um, and Jaden Daniels at Arizona state. That hasn't been the case, but he's still talented. So um, this is a tough challenge for Oregon's defense. Like, I mean, and the reality is like, and we talked about this. This is what's been this so frustrating. These first four games were kind of supposed to be the warm-up games to get to Cal and yeah. to get to Washington, who are the top teams. And from a quarterback perspective, they haven't forced turnovers against teams that aren't very good offensively and are had inexperienced quarterbacks. When well, I get to Cal and Chase Garbers, who's going to be the most ex- experienced quarterback Oregon faces all season, he's more experienced even than Washington's Dylan Morris, who's another first-year starter. He's more experienced than most of the quarterbacks Oregon would in theory face in the Pac-12 South. So that's a, that's a challenge in and of its own right. All right. Uh, game predictions, individual stuff. I'll start here. Um, offensively, I think we're going to have two receivers for Oregon go over 80 yards receiving. Um, I almost okay. went 100. I don't think we hit two – or I don't think we hit two guys going over 100 yards. But I think Oregon's going to continue to lean on that passing attack – I think Devin Williams for the third straight game will go over 100 yards. And then um, give give me Johnny Johnson. 
I think Jai Johnson will have a big game for Oregon as well. Both guys scoring big touchdowns for, for Oregon's offense. Defensively, um, knowing that Cal has had uh, musical chairs of offensive linemen, guys just who aren't even hurt, but just they can't practice because of contact tracing, in and out, in and out, in and out. This is going to be a game in which I think Oregon's defensive line finally kind of creates some havoc. Kayvon Thibodeau gets some sacks. The team will finish the game with multiple sacks, and they'll also have five or more tackles for loss in this football game. Well, uh, I'll touch on one that, you, that kind of ties into what you said. I think Devin Williams is going to have his third straight 100-yard game. Um, Cal, along with Oregon, will kind of consider – and Washington. I, you think you have to include Washington. We're going into the season before all the opt-outs – those were considered the top three secondaries in the conference. Um, there wasn't much question. And Cal's secondary last year was really good as well. But they had Jalen Hawkins opt out. They've had a couple of other players kind of in and out of the lineup. We've talked about that. I think this is an opportunity for Devin Williams to come out and, and again, solidify himself as the go-to guy in this offense from, from the passing game. And I think he'll do it. So I'm kind of with you uh, that tying into your two players over 80 if they do go two over 80, and this wasn't one of my predictions, you can, and again, I think most listening know now, you go check out on the site on duckterritory.com Mondays. I will have my five predictions. This was up on Monday morning. Um, take a look at it if you'd like. Um, I'll tweet it out as well now just so that you can take a look at it so it's easy to find. But um, if, if it is a second guy over 80, give me Micah Pittman, just a sneaking suspicion that he's been kind of chomping at the bit, waiting for his turn, and now he's had an opportunity that he'll be able to, to kind of follow up with that and then here's one, and I'm not even going to make a defensive prediction, Matt, because frankly, the defensive predictions I made were not particularly positive. But um, give me Henry Cattleman connecting on multiple field goals, in part just because I want to talk about Henry Cattleman and the fact that Oregon maybe has a good kicker, because that seems like a positive thing. Um, I know that the sample size is extremely small. He's kicked five extra points in a 33-yard field goal. But even that 33-yard field goal, it looked different. It felt different. There's a certain level of comf- you know, com- confidence, I think, in him that I didn't have with Camden Lewis, and maybe that'll change this week. I hope it doesn't. Um, if he struggles against Cal, that would be – boy, that would be disappointing considering that Oregon already knows what it has in Camden Lewis, and he's just not very good, or hasn't been very good, I should say. I'll just say, I don't think he's very good. I, I'd be surprised, honestly, unless Henry Cattleman really struggles down the stretch here. I'd be kind of surprised if Camden Lewis is on the team next year, just the way that seems like that's the direction it's going. There's no inside information. That's not reporting. That's just, like, using some common sense here of, like, if Camden Lewis isn't going to be a starting kicker and he's on scholarship, he'll probably transfer closer to home. He's from North Carolina to kick somewhere else. But I think he's going to have an opportunity to have some uh, – Oregon has not always finished drives off that well this year, and they've missed a couple field goals. They've gone for it on fourth. I think they're going to try a couple Henry Cattleman kicks. And Mario Cristobal did say on Wednesday that, that they've had Henry Cattleman make kicks between 50 and 55 yards in practice. I'm very skeptical that we'll see them try a kick of that distance, but um, give me Cattleman to make a couple this week and kind of continue to build off of the, uh, what was an early impressive, I guess, first start from him uh, against Oregon state last Friday. Game picks. Um, Oregon is a 10 point favorite in this game. Uh, the, the combined total according to William Hill is 59. Um, and actually, Eric, I should say this. Um, I've had this page up throughout the day while we've been recording the show. I should say throughout the day. It's going about going on about 40 minutes now. Uh, it's updated. It's gone down. Oregon is now a nine-point favorite. Uh, you and I have made our picks 
previously, um, knowing that the spread was 10, so we'll, we'll hold it there. But this line is, is going down still. Um, I think it opened up at 11, and it's now down to 10. And then now, it, again, it's recently updated down to, to 9. So bets are coming in in favor of Cal covering this game. And quite honestly, that's kind of where I side. Um, I was honestly thinking though Oregon was going to win this game by like nine points. Um, certainly the 10 was more centralizing for me to, to, to take Cal, but I still am going to take Cal uh, covering this game. I just don't think Oregon loses this game. And I don't know if we're necessarily going to walk out of this game thinking, yeah, they've, they've fixed everything and they're prepared to, to host Washington a team. I think will be undefeated coming into that rivalry game and where we have this overwhelming confidence that Oregon's the better team. Um, I still think Oregon on paper when they play their best is better than Washington. Problem is they, they haven't shown their best for a ton. And I think that shows again against Cal. So um, give me Oregon winning this game, something like 38 to 30 uh, Oregon. So eight point win for the ducks, 38, 30, but they don't cover just, which has been a common occurrence for Oregon this season. Matt, I'm happy that you didn't have them covering because you said, I believe on this podcast as recently as this week that you weren't picking them to cover until they did. Because last two, yeah, that was post game, post game of the Oregon State game. I said they would cover, and I wouldn't pick pick them to cover ever again until they uh, they get to a point where they they actually do it and they cover the game. So hopefully they cover, and I can pick them again covering that you know in two weeks. All right. Uh, I'm with you, though. Like, I continue to be really skeptical of the way of this team's ability, A, to put teams away and really B, just to, to win games. Like, I, I think I, I think they're going to win. Um, you know, part of me wants to hedge the bet and just predict them to lose because that's what I predicted. I mean, because like, the reality is this is the game I had them losing earlier, you know, before the season started. This is, this is the game I predicted they would lose. Cal has been not very good. They've lost to Oregon State. They've lost to Stanford. To be fair, Stanford in their first game against Oregon, I know they lost. It looks more lopsided now in retrospect, but remember there are a lot of missed field goals. That game was probably more evenly played than 21 points. Obviously, Oregon couldn't beat Oregon State either. Those games are very similar scores. Um, I'm going to say Oregon wins. I don't think Cal has really shown me much to believe that they're able to win this game, but really Oregon hasn't shown me a whole lot either. So, um, I'm kind of waffling a little bit here, but I'm going to go Oregon winning this game. I think it's going to be fairly high scoring just because if it's, <laughs> if it's a lower scoring game, I don't think Oregon does win. Cause I don't think the defense can really win a game where it's in the twenties. So I agree that I agree with that. They ha- it has to be like a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give me Oregon to win this game and I'll say, um, 42 to 38. Ooh, that's a high scoring game. Well, I, uh, I, 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 yeah, I'd love to be wrong, but I'm, I'm not, I'm at this point. I mean, I just don't have a whole lot of trust in this defense. And we mentioned it. Some guys are going to be out. Some kind of critical players aren't playing this week. And um, I just, yeah, uh, kind of like you with not picking them to cover the spread until they do it. I'm not going to pick this defense to really perform very well until I see evidence that they can, because you really pull, you know, you pull back the numbers and you look at it more closely. And I know you go, Oh, well, against Stanford, it was it's 14 not points. Pretty. It's not pretty. It's been bad all season. It really has been, um, and they're they've had you know they've had opportunities against some bad again they've had opportunities against bad offenses to really prove themselves. They haven't. I don't think I don't think yeah and they haven't. And Cal's not a very good offense either. I mean the reality is Oregon might go all the way through the season without playing a quote unquote good offense until the 
last um, game of the year. Last game of the year. And we aren't going to know very much, but my confidence is really shook, shook on this defense. I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in their ability to slow teams down. I think Cal's going to score some points. I think expecting otherwise is just being – that's wishful thinking at this point. It really is. And, I mean, it's disappointing to say that, but that's just kind of the reality of it. Um, but, yeah, give me Oregon to win, 42-38, improve to 4-1 and one on the season, and at least make that game against Washington the following week in Eugene – really significant and that would be fun right i mean that would add a, a cool element to it to have the oregon washington rival regame the last game of the season and the winner wins the pac-12 north i mean that'd be pretty cool we haven't been able to have an exact scenario like that since i've been doing this and probably since i've been alive i mean i don't know when last time it was and, and again i was very young and for most of the 90s i was born in 89 for those listening to put it in perspective but like has oregon washington's game whenever it was played really decided who won the Pac-12 conference or the Pac-12 North. Obviously, they've only split into divisions about 10 years ago. But I think that would be a really interesting and exciting way to wrap up what has otherwise been a really disappointing regular season if that game in Eugene on December 12th ends up being for all of the Pac-12 North marbles. It's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe for $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. And also go and give us a review on the podcast. That greatly helps us spread the show and share the show with your friends as well. Um, our numbers for the year are amazing. We're approaching triple, uh, excuse me, we're approaching uh, double the amount of, of listens in 2020 than we had in all of 2019. That's amazing. Thank you very much for listening to the show. Um, as we enter the final month of 2020. Next time we talk to you, we'll be after Oregon Cal, and we'll see if it's after a win or if it's after a second straight loss for the Oregon Ducks. But we will see you Saturday night. Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later, folks.